It's World Government Summit time in Dubai. Heads of government and states, as well as ministers and experts, are all here talking about energy, climate, the future of government, technology, and a whole host of other issues that could shape not just this year, but many years to come. Also, Expo's wrapping up. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi, although this time we're in Dubai. My name is Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is co-host and The National's Future Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So we're in a, in a room side by side with the World Government Summit, very much in the heart of Expo. There is a lot of action here for a number of reasons. Absolutely. We're overlooking Owasso Plaza. It is buzzing. Uh, so we lost Madeleine Albright this month, and I just want to take a moment. And as I listened to your intro of World Government Summit, something that was so important to her was having just normal people understand the relevance of government and the relevance of diplomacy. So I hope today we can hopefully unpack what's going on behind these closed doors, because this is a real meeting of the minds, 190 nations together in some capacity, whether that's, you know, country leaders, heads of multinationals, whatever that is, it's 190 countries convened in some capacity talking about the biggest issues. And so what are those and, and what are they problem solving for? Yeah, I want to unpack all of that. Uh, you mentioned Madeleine Albright. I urge uh, anyone listening to go to thenationalnews.com and check out the piece by James Zogby, who wrote uh, for our opinion pages this week. He he knew Madeleine Albright, and she's a somewhat controversial figure in the Middle East, uh, particularly with regards to US policy on Iraq. Um, but he kind of framed it very well, um, her career and her legacy. So if you're interested in more of that, uh, you can get it at our, at our website. So World Government Summit. Um, in Dubai, as we mentioned, lots of people here, um, expos wrapping up and it's busier than ever, literally the last sort of few days, 48 hours, maybe even, although the last day is going to be a kind of all nighter <laughs> for everyone who comes here. Um, and I think it's, it's a nice juxtaposition between kind of this consumer tourist, um, you know, residential crowd, um, sort of outside the exhibition center doing expo-y things, you know, very festival atmosphere, kids. And then inside uh, the exhibition center, a kind of different kind of festival. And it really is a little bit um, that kind of energy um, of people almost delighted to be in person again. Totally. Um, it is really like anti-COVID mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. in this site. And pandemic, I will say, in watching the content from this week is not looming large. I think Ukraine, Russia is really top of mind as well as you know recovery from amid an energy crunch. How are we? fueling recovery when energy is so high, inflation is high, and we're amid an energy transition. I really think the story this week is talking about rising prices and the energy transition. We've moved on from the pandemic. We're, we're just giving hugs now. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you mentioned the energy transition that was sort of day zero of the World Government Summit, because um, it's really officially two days, but we had a a kind of preview day. And on that day, uh, we had a couple of comments from officials here. We had Dr. Sultan Al-Jabbar, who's Minister Advanced um, of Industry and Advanced Technology, but also uh, the UAE's envoy on climate change, and also uh, Managing Director and CEO of, of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. So he, his messages were, were very clear. On the one hand, when it comes to uh, the energy transition, you know, he said, we need real world solutions to this. Look at what's happening outside 
um, in terms of you know supply and uh, you know the the, the underinvestment that we've had for a number of reasons. And and he, his message was, don't unplug from the current system until we've built the new system. We cannot defund direct quote. We cannot defund the current system. This is a real challenge of timing. And the UAE this week, I do think, is sitting upon the podium really saying, we've got our ducks in a row. We have our house in order. It is the outside, as you just said, that seems to be really struggling. And the UAE says, we do have a strategy for this. We have a green portfolio. We have blue hydrogen and then green hydrogen ambitions once to follow. But they're really saying the timing right now, this is not a Ukraine-Russia issue. This is a we defunded too soon on oil and gas before this happened. And so let's keep our eye on that. And so the timing of it all seems to be the big riddle. Yes. And, you know, it's the short term versus the long term. So uh, another in another speech he made at, at a climate forum going on, uh, Dr. Sultan al-Jabbar also talked about sort of a measured uh, approach to, to climate action. So there will be voices, and, and I understand where they're coming from saying that, you know, it's too late. I mean, if you want to tackle global warming, we have to do, do everything yesterday. Um, that's true, um, you know, when it comes to, to, to the planet, but also um, w- when it comes to actually people and the most vulnerable people having access to affordable energy to live, that is also critical as well. Um, and, okay, people might not look at Europe and say, you know, they're the most vulnerable. But within that subsection, there will be people who are. To, to your point about rising prices, it affects the poorest first. And then the middle class. And the middle class is also enormously vulnerable as you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poor. And we also had on stage this week, Kristalina Georgieva, the managing director of the IMF, who really laid out the debt burden on the poorest countries coming out of the pandemic. And under this modified recovery, as we're facing inflation, we're facing this on energy crunch. These poorer nations are in a much worse off position than they were two years ago because the recovery arc is not what it was meant to be, even at the start of this year. So the poorest among us are, I think, who we need to keep top of mind in all of these conversations. And nations are also falling short of the $100 billion climate commitment we made a decade ago to these nations to help them with the transition. So we're not even getting the first steps correct, it seems. Yes. And it's important to acknowledge where we're falling short um, because, you know, then we come up with realistic solutions. But the kind of positive, the, the good news, if, if you want to be optimistic about it, is that, uh, that no one's arguing anymore um, that we shouldn't be doing this. Right. So you've been on stage this week a, a few times. Uh, what, are, what are you hearing in terms of the conversations that you're actually moderating? So it, it's sort of tangential to the to climate action, but, you know, may result in the biggest kind of impact which is about ESG, what environment, social governance, which I guess, you know, for the uninitiated is the new CSR, corporate social responsibility, um, which we dealt with which for a few years. Which is when I came years. of age. So we've moved on. Yes, All right. I am getting old. Yeah. You know, it was, it, it's now um, much more than, than tokenism. It's much more than PR. It's much more than, you know, handing out t-shirts at the local uh, fun run, right? It's more than that. It's not an extension of your marketing strategy. I mean, this is the message that's coming through. So oh, I had a one-on-one uh, chat this morning with Alain Bajani, the chief executive of Majid Al-Fatim Holding. So on the one hand, they've made some really good PR wins, if you like, with their environmental side of things. But then he's also talking about impact. 
and governance. So without governance, everything collapses. You know, if you have bad governance, then you know the the, the risks are huge. So that's critical for for a company like his and any other company to ensure that the governance is is top notch and that with that comes transparency. Then for impact, he's talking about impact not just in terms of the community and what they're doing there, but also for every person that works at the company of them understanding their own impact beyond okay, I work, I get paid, I I give this back, but also he made the point of for many people, you know, when they work at a company, they're not just giving time. They're kind of giving the best time of their life. Mm to this job, to this career. And we seem increasingly cognizant of that fact. Yes. Yeah. So it's not just about total time, but the, I guess the quality of that time, I guess, you know, what could you be doing, yeah. uh, you know, so, with your youth? Right. So, right? <laughs> so yeah, with our one precious life. So from the voice of the private sector kind of held up against the Minister of Cabinet Affairs, Mohammed Al-Gurgawi, who made comments this morning about you know, government needs to wake up to aligning with the private sector and working really closely together with the private sector. So we're thinking ESGs, this cannot just be the responsibility of boardrooms because they will not always work in our in the planet's best interest by no means. I mean, as much as we want to believe that shareholders and stakeholders have equal equal voice in the room, that's not going to be the case for every single company on the planet. Yeah. And so the, Mr. Al-Gurgawi, his statements this morning, I thought really the signal I heard in those words were government needs to wake up to work with private sector. What we saw from the SEC in the U.S. last week around reporting on your climate risk and how are we going to report? If you're a publicly traded company, how are you going to disclose your climate exposure? We are starting to learn how to measure and we're learning how to hold companies accountable. and We have to. If we don't, we will, we will fail. And so governments really do have to be upright on this. So uh, Kristen Seaman, who runs ESG for GM, General Motors, uh, out of Detroit, you know, one of the big Detroit car makers, who haven't necessarily been synonymous with things like environment, social governance over the years. It's her day-to-day. And she was saying that it's impact with profit. So, okay, we had a period where there was this theory there's a, a Milton Friedman theory of if you go after profit, it will smooth out everything because to be profitable requires you ultimately to be a good actor. It turned out to be rubbish. I mean, you know, we can see that. So we need a new kind of economic theory. Um, the World Economic Forum would call it stakeholder capitalism. I think the great uh, sort of economic rivalry between people like Friedman and Klaus Schwab, who founded the World Economic Forum, was on this point. But also, I think. You can't get around the short-term consideration. It isn't just about geopolitics or conflict or energy crisis. That shareholders, by their very nature, who are just one stakeholder, you have employees, you have customers, you have other you know, regulators, you have whoever. But shareholders demand to get paid, right? I mean, in the end, it's still America. Still want my money, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you know, I think that, on the one hand, might sound like, okay, well, then, of course, we're not going to make progress on this. But then on the other hand, it's kind of like, if you do accept that bargain, that you have to be sustainable, but sustainable also means you make money too. Right. And the, But the bargain is becoming increasingly life or death. So I do think that we're, we're starting to understand, I won't get paid if I'm not even here anymore. So it is, it is I think, starting to be understood as a genuine existential risk where companies do need to pair profit with purpose. Otherwise, we are really all going to bleep in a handbasket 
um, on this if we don't if we don't get our house in order. Yeah, it was funny having that discussion today because it did feel like when you're when talking about ESG and you know this big panel, as I mentioned, you know GM, Pepsi, KKR, BlackRock, um, amongst the the voices, and it, and it did feel like everyone in the room was on the same page. I mean, we weren't. We weren't trying to like change hearts and minds here. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it, everyone was in the choir kind of to use a cliche. I mean, similarly, the conversations this week around the future of cash, I think the other big component of this week's program is the acceleration on the conversation of decentralized finance, the future of, you know, maybe a stable coin or a central bank backed currency. We have gone into like warp speed on that conversation. Two years ago when the World Government Summit was convening kind of pre-pandemic, the world was still trying to wrap its mind around Bitcoin and what Bitcoin was. And that we've so left that far behind. And now it's about how are governments coming to the table in this world of high volatility and very limited public trust? How are we actually building a currency for the future that, that works for all people? That is a really, really exciting conversation. And it it speaks to what you're saying around no one in the room really needs to be convinced anymore. Uh, it's it's more now we're in problem-solving mode around this issue. I think one of the biggest problems is that DeFi, uh, you know, decentralized finance, essentially this new world of, of monetary exchange that the arrival of Bitcoin, you know, 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago now, maybe longer, 14 years, um, heralded the start of and we began to, to, to understand the opportunities and the potential. People still think that it's early days, it's nascent, we don't need to get into it. And okay, we've had some big news stories over the last week, Binance, other crypto exchanges setting up in, in, in Dubai, for example, regulation coming in all over the region. Um, but there is, it's, there's an urgent race here, because if anybody does any kind of little interaction with Web 3.0, and the kind of you know ease with which it's supposed to say help people get paid directly for what they're doing, the barriers, the geographic barriers are there because the existing financial system has been built on barriers and gatekeepers. And so if you if you're in the UAE and you think there's a great tool that I want to use in the US, because in between you and that Web 3.0 app is the traditional financial system. If you don't have a US credit card, you can't use it. Right. You can't, you, your wallet cannot connect to that app because you're in the UAE and they don't bank with you. So what I'm noticing is a real sophistication around this very debate. But let me finish the worry, uh -oh. the thing I'm really worried about. What are you worried about? Who will resolve this really, really fast? Who will break down barriers and, and, and ensure that people can be connected because this is going to move really, really quickly. There's a reason why Facebook wanted to start its own cryptocurrency because you know the big tech companies the four or five of them you know have already created their own global footprints where the they don't, they don't need to worry about the barriers because they've become gatekeepers themselves right so the question though is it's really it's stable coins versus central bank digital currencies are we going to be living in a world of stable coins which are the you know the the proffering of the likes of facebook and so then they're just up for regulation, or are we going to be beholden to these CBDCs, the central bank-backed currencies? So these are the two roads we're, we're kind of facing right now, and that's the conversation that's really playing out this week here in Dubai. 
is which road do we want to back? Because Facebook failed. Libra actually, you know, had to well, pull up stakes. It's, it's not. It's not. Never that it, mind. It's not that it failed because they couldn't execute. The political cost of trying it. No, the market. Was too great. The, the market said no. Thank you. Yeah. There's not enough underlying trust here for you Correct. to stand up. But a, it, but it should be a warning to everyone that they wanted to do it. Yes. The very fact that they tried to do it should terrify everybody. The learning is. They tried. The lesson is they failed because of the lack of trust. And so, again, we've been talking about trust recently, but it, this really does become a question of trust. And do people in this modern day trust their central banks or do they trust a large corporation? And it feels like the prevailing thing right now is actually we're veering towards corporations. We're veering private sector. That feels like the trend right now. I, I want to see regional, Middle East, North Africa. Web 3.0 applications. I want to see them fast. I want to see them yesterday. I don't want to have to be waiting for, you know, these globalized companies to come and give me access to something that somebody should be able to give me here right now. I mean, like, I, you know, I try and access different apps. I've, you know, there's a hundred different wallets to use. <laughs> I can't use any of them. I'm you just know? trying to order a rug pad on Amazon right now. I can't even, can't even do that for less than a hundred dollars. Right. So the, you know, kind of the future's here for sure. It is here, but I think the debate over you know whether it should be a stable coin or a central bank backed digital currency is almost a red herring, because you know what does it matter for exchanging marbles, right? Uh, as long as the the system, the infrastructure is there to seamlessly exchange them. Right? You sound like the co-founder of Tether who was talking this morning about about this on stage. I get that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it, yeah, it depends on what camp you're in, but also, yeah, it just needs to be built Yes, to the victor will go the spoils. So whether a government shows up first or a company, that's who will get to play the game. So far, the EU, China, Tether have come to the table and, and those are the sort of examples we're beginning to see in the digital currency space, but there is a, a vast market to still be tapped. Yes. And I think we've learned no lessons. Okay. I have to say people listening out there that are in the Middle East. We've learned no lessons about anything to do with technology because, you know, the software is still the preview of the US. We've allowed Silicon Valley to kind of, you know, run everything. And you know what it is? It's convenience. We've been, we've been really seduced by the fact, well, Microsoft Word is a great program. We'll just keep using that. We don't need a Middle East version of Microsoft Word. We'll just buy it in. It's easier. But it's, the point is, it's the innovation that it would lead to. It's the, it's the jobs to programmers, you know, all the things that we want to do, you know, it's, we bring companies here and we're, you know, we're incubating them and we're trying to, you know, kind of create our own ecosystem, but it kind of begins with, you know, saying, no, I want to be, I want to be first. I want to be better than, I don't want to copy the U S I want to be better than the U S and original. Yeah. You're speaking yeah. to a real intrinsic originality. Yeah. I hope so. I think we, I think we need it. I mean, hopefully this time next year at the next world government summit, which will be at a different venue, no doubt. Um, we will see more of that kind of indigenous web 3.0, whether that applies to decentralized finance or, or anything else, that there are more options, native options that we can take up here. Kelsey Warner, that's enough from me, I think. <laughs> me as well, thank you. Thanks so much. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you all for listening.